You're listening to the Pursue God Truth Podcast, the official channel for faith and life topics at PursueGod.org. Join us every week as we explore new topics from a biblical perspective. All right, well, Ross, today we are going to be talking through probably like a top five topic at PursueGod.org. The topic is all about suicide and eternity. And here's the question we're going to be addressing today is, does a person who commits suicide go to heaven? Now, there's a couple ways for us to approach this. First of all, we're going to we're going to talk about this theologically for a while, Ross. I think some people are listening to this because because they're really interested for, you know, theological reasons or maybe for a loved one in their life or or maybe a friend or a family member committed suicide or whatever. And so we want to certainly cover that theologically, but there's an emotional element to this that's mm-hmm. that's also very, very important. Yeah. And we want to respect the fact that some people might be coming to this topic because they're contemplating it, right? Yeah. They're Christians, and and but that's one of the questions that they have. In fact, uh, several years ago, uh, one of my very, very closest friends took his own life. And so mm-hmm. it was huge. And you start to, you break that down and dissect what happened and why, and there was a lot of factors, a lot of issues, but he's a Christian, but life got tough, and he had uh, mental health issues, and so he kind of forgot what it meant to follow Jesus. Yeah, so I just, I want to start with this, just for our listeners who maybe are in a dark place, and they came across this podcast or this topic at PursueGod.org, and they're really considering it. I just first want to say, if you're in a crisis, the suicide hotline, you can call or text 988. And I really encourage you to do, do that if you need that. But even more, maybe even more than that, you know, talk to a Christian friend, talk to a pastor, reach out if you're in a place where you're really considering taking your own life, because we don't want what we talk about here on this podcast, in this episode, we're going to be biblical, we're going to share a lot of scripture with you. But the last thing we want is for it to encourage mm-hmm. you to go through with something um, that would just grieve the heart of God. It would grieve the heart of everyone in your world as well. And so just want to encourage that. Now, uh, Ross, maybe it'd be good before we even get to scripture to share some suicide statistics. This is from AFSP.org. Suicide is the 11th leading cause of death mm-hmm. in the U.S. A couple of years ago, forty-eight more than 48,000 Americans died by suicide, which is crazy to me. And the the high the rate of suicide is highest among middle aged white men. Yeah, that's so surprising, this, isn't it? It is. You know, I th- I think we think of this when I think of suicide. I think of teenagers, junior highers, high schoolers, where that's I think where you probably hear about it the most. But actually, middle aged white men, by far, that's the sec- segment of our of our society that deals mm-hmm. with this the most. In, in twenty twenty one, men died by suicide almost four times more than women did. That's crazy. Yeah. That white males accounted for almost 70% of suicide deaths in 2021. And I know that I know that middle-aged men you might be going through a crisis. I you know, I've I'm a middle-aged man and and I've got a lot of friends that when we started started talking about mental health issues, man, so many men in our churches you know, kind of came out of the woodwork and said, I'm struggling with this mm-hmm. because I think you get to identity issues, you get to you know, have I done enough legacy issues right. in your life? You know, there's a lot of reasons that men might start contemplating this. Well, for sure. And, you know, it, none of us has to go very long before we really know somebody or know of somebody 
There, there's a family in our church right now that their daughter, her husband killed himself recently and left young children behind and and uh, le- left her just, you know, grasping for, you know, pieces of putting her, trying to put her life back together again. He was he was uh maybe 30 years old. So, yeah, it just it's 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 around, it's close to home for many of us and and so let's get some perspective on how to think about it. Yeah, the question, so the question we're really answering again is does a person who commits suicide go to heaven? So Ross, we should probably start at the most basic level and talk about how salvation works, right? So going to heaven, being saved, what does the Bible say about salvation? So before we get to the specific application of suicide and a question that some people have on their minds is, is this the unforgivable sin? These are all the things we're going to be talking about Mm -hmm. in the next 45 minutes, but let's start just at the most basic place. Ross, how does salvation work in in biblical theology yeah this is this is the right place to start because according to the bible salvation is not dependent upon our works whether we do them or whether we don't do them or what we do because uh, biblically uh, salvation is really about trusting in god the bible says that none of us lives up to god's perfect standards so romans chapter 3 Verses 22 and 23 says, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Why? Because everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We all have issues. None of us measures up to what God, to God's perfection. And so the only way to be right with God or to be forgiven of those sins is to put our faith in Jesus. So that's the fundamental bottom line thing we need to think about and really need to understand that when it comes to whether it's suicide or any other grievous sin that feels unforgivable, um, that it's not about what we do, but it's about who we in whom we trust. Yeah, and there's a great picture of this in Luke 23, verses 41 to 43. This is where Jesus is on the cross. He's, you know, he's in between these two thieves. And, and one of them says, we deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said this to him, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. And so Jesus gives this incredible assurance in response to this, this thief's response of really is it's like a it's a heart attitude of repentance and mm-hmm. trusting in Jesus which which is what that Romans 3 verse is, is talking about that every one of us we're, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ so people who are listening if maybe you grew up in a in a religious tradition that taught something different maybe it taught that well I have to work for my salvation and I think if I think that's where a lot of confusion comes in. If you if you feel like you have to work for your salvation or kind of related to that is that you have to work off your sins or right. even even the thought this idea that you have to confess every sin and every like every sin is looming over your head and you have to confess it and therefore if I take my own life I don't have time to confess my sin. I think that's part of the question that people have as they're approaching this. And and that's that I think draw, brings us to this question of the unforgivable sin. And and this comes from Matthew chapter 12 
verses 31 and 32. Ross, let me read this the scripture first, and then why don't you help us to understand, because th- there is such a thing as the unforgivable sin, but we have to talk about what exactly it is. So here's what Jesus said. Right. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except this one, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Okay, so there it is. That Jesus says the unforgivable sin is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And so you're going to have to explain that. But he goes on, he says, anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. Russ, help us to understand, what is this? It's important to understand the context of what Je- what's going on when Jesus says this, because what happens is he's speaking to the religious leaders. They had come, and in his disputes with them, they're resisting Jesus as their Jewish Messiah, these Jewish religious leaders. So they, Jesus has been doing miracles and casting out demons, and they say, well, oh, no. They make up an excuse for why not to believe that or why not to accept that. They said, oh, you must be casting out demons by the power of Satan, and um, and Jesus, you know, gives a, a great answer to to debunk that that thing. But in the bigger picture, he says, "Look, wh- you, why are you opposing me? By opposing me, you're showing your heart of unbelief. By your the, the Holy Spirit is bearing witness to you of who I am, and that's why this is why this is a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit because it's a denial of what the Holy Spirit is revealing." to one's spirit about the nature of God and who Jesus is. And so basically that it was their unbelief. So it's not this is not a this kind of um unforgivable sin is not something that you know we do, we say, we think that we something attitude in our heart, but it's in this context that defines it for us that the unforgivable sin is a hard-hearted response of unbelief to Jesus. Why? Because why is that unforgivable? Well, it's because the way to have our sins forgiven is to trust in Jesus. And if I'm not willing to trust in Jesus, then then I can never gain access to that provision that that he made for us when he died on the cross. Yeah, and it's it's important to note and we talk about this in other episodes on the podcast, but the role of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit's God, so God exists as three persons in one being. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The the Son's role in salvation was to go to the cross, die on the cross for us so that we could believe in, and to rise from the dead. The Holy Spirit's role in salvation is to convict us of our sins. So the Holy Spirit is the per, is the person of the Godhead who convicts us, who opens our eyes, who dr- drops the scales from our, our eyes, who helps us to really see the truth of the gospel message. And so there's this inner work that's happening happening in all of us that the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is leading. And, and mysteriously, somehow, we can resist the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, or, or we can humble ourselves and respond in faith um, based on the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Is that a good way to explain that, Ross? Yeah, that's a great way to, to, to explain it. The Holy Spirit is revealing Jesus, and he's, and he's revealing us to ourselves. And if we listen to that, then we'll find our way to the provision that Jesus made for the forgiveness of our sins. We'll find our way to a relationship with God as he's leading us into that. But if we, if we say, no, I know enough, I've got this all figured out, I don't need it, whatever we might, might say to resist the Holy Spirit, then, then we block off any potential, any hope that our sins could be forgiven. 
So Ross, what would you say to the person listening who says, I, I'm afraid now, I've got this great anxiety because I wonder if I've committed the unforgivable sin. I wonder if maybe I've blasphemed the Holy Spirit and and it's and I've gone sort of beyond the point of, of return. Yeah, that's a great question. And really, the very nature of a person asking that question is pretty good evidence that they haven't done that. Because uh, because they're still open, they still want to uh, be right with God. That that nature of that question is not a hard hearted question. It's an open hearted question, and it's the person who says, "Yeah, I've never done that." You know, that's the person I'm more con- concerned about than a person who really is open to wanting a relationship with Jesus and is and is somehow figuring it how, out how to do that. That shows that the Spirit of God is at work in their life. Okay, so. I can hear another objection. Someone's out there saying, okay, but someone who commits suicide has no opportunity to repent of that sin and ask God for forgiveness. So the the person who takes his or her own life, I guess the assumption there is that that is an act of uh, blasphemy, defiance, because you're taking into your own hands something that only God should have. And again, some churches even teach this, that therefore that is that is unforgivable because you can't repent of it. First of all, I would say we should understand that suicide really is sin because it is taking and destroying my own life that, and it's taking away from God the privilege and prerogative of, of doing that. It's killing. It's like an act of self-murder. The murder is sin. Suicide really is sin. But the question is then what does it mean and how do we deal with sin? And so in some traditions of Christianity that maybe tend to be a little bit maybe more legalistic, there is this idea that sins are forgiven only if they're confessed. Only if I acknowledge it before God and and I ask for you know ask for forgiveness and, and note that I note that I was wrong, then that sin is then forgiven. And, you know, and that's a great process. The process of confession is great, but it's not about the ultimate forgiveness of my sins. It's about my daily relationship with Jesus. But there is that idea that's floating around in aspects of the Christian world that I've got to confess every sin for it to be forgiven. So that becomes a problem with suicide because I take my life, I don't have an opportunity to confess that sin. But I I want to remind our, our listeners what we talked about a moment ago, that forgiveness of sins before God is not based on any action that we do. It's not based on asking forgiveness for each and every sin. I mean, honestly, I've got plenty of sins that I'm not even aware of day in and day out, you know, until my wife makes me aware of them. <laughs> but forgiveness of sins isn't about some kind of mechanism or somehow I deal with those sins, but it's based on trusting Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross to pay for all of our sins, whether I recognize them, whether I specifically confess them, or, or what they might be. And so I've always thought about it like this. Let's say I'm, I'm, let's say I'm a Christian— and I'm right with God, and I'm getting ready to cross the street. I'm jaywalking a little bit, so that might be a sin to not obey the law. But a car comes by, and it, it buzzes me really close, and I have to step back, and I almost got hit by the stinking car. And so I lose it, and I get angry at that person and maybe curse them or gesture you know, in that direction. <laughs> so I just sinned. Um, because of my attitude. And so because I'm distracted by that car, I'm ready to cross the street. Now I step out on the street, that car's gone, but I forget to look the other way and I get hit by a bus. So, and I die. So I died in a, in a, 
in a state where I did not have opportunity to confess and acknowledge my sin of anger. And you know, you can create any scenario, a wartime scenario, where a soldier is killed after he's had you know, words with somebody or, or whether he's lusted in his heart or something. You know, so the, the, the really, the, the bottom line issue is not just for suicide, but it's for every possible situation that the, that, uh, the question is, if, if I never had opportunity to confess my sin, my, my sinful response, is that sin forgiven? And the answer is yes, or we, we ought to think the answer is yes, because um, of what Jesus has already done on the cross, every sin past, present, and future. And that means suicide is also forgiven for that reason. And if the answer to that is no, if I sin and then I, am, and then I die, and I, am I forgiven from that sin, then you know, that, that really undermines everything Jesus did on the cross for us. And so that's an objection that I, you know, honestly, I understand why youth leaders tend to bring this up, this mm-hmm. idea up, because they don't want young people to be tempted by suicide, mm-hmm. and so they create try to create this barrier. But it's not a, but it's not a biblical barrier. Suicide is a horrible thing, and um, we shouldn't take it lightly. But this is not the answer to mm-hmm. un, to misunderstand our salvation. Yeah, that's good. First John 5, 12 and 13, it says, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. How simple is that? Right? I, he says, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. It's, it's not about works. It's not about unconfessed sin. It's just simply about, do you have Jesus? Have you trusted in Jesus for salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 8, 9, and 10 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the, for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. And so those verses, verses 8 and 9, really are, are so plain, are so clear that salvation is completely a gift. And God doesn't take a gift away because you have this one unconfessed sin in your life or you didn't have a an opportunity. So many people have kind of this guilty conscience, like they have to confess every single sin, every last sin. And and man, that's such a burden to live under. And again, we're not saying that sin doesn't matter to God. In fact, verse 10 in Ephesians 2 mm-hmm. says, we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So he wants, he cares about how we live. He he wants us to have the freedom, the life and the freedom that comes with a, with a, you know, a newness, a spiritual uh, rebirth in, in Jesus. He wants us to experience that. And really, I think, Ross, we should end by talking about that side of it because yeah. for the person who is listening who who is contemplating this who's thinking about this they're in this dark place maybe they've been in a dark place for a long time but they're a christian they love jesus they've trusted jesus for salvation but they're still in this dark place let's spend some time really speaking to that person encouraging that person to access the the life that jesus really envisions for them right it because you know really that this is the whole point it's not like oh we're going to judge you because you're having suicidal thoughts. No, it's like we we want we want you to have the best that Jesus offers to you. The thief's purpose, Jesus said in John chapter ten, is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life. 
And so the thief, he's talking about Satan there. And Satan's goal, he'd love to influence people to kill and destroy themselves. He'd love to steal life from them. But Jesus wants just the opposite. He wants a rich, satisfying life. And I think someone who's considering suicide has said, my life is not rich, it's not satisfying, it might as well not go on. Mm. But Jesus wants us to live life in a way that's full and meaningful. You know, I don't, I'm not a suicide expert in terms of like, you know, the person on the hotline. Um, but again, I've seen it in my friend and other people in life. I've, I've seen it and I, and I know enough to, to, to realize that the people that I'm aware of or that I know personally who have taken their own life, by the time they get to that place, they have followed a way of thinking that has denied a lot of things that Jesus would want to do in their life or the things that Jesus has promised to do in their life. They're not experiencing it in their day-to-day, in their relationships and what they hope out of life. But again, there's also a, a way of interpreting life, a way of thinking about life that that is pretty dark, pretty dark and black. And thinking about themselves. For example, the young woman I mentioned a moment ago, uh, whose husband killed herself, he honestly, he believed that his family would be better off without him. That's a lie. That's a complete lie. Their life, their kids are, her, her life is broken. She doesn't know how to put it back together again. They're not better off without him. But he had convinced himself, or Satan had convinced him, and he'd bought those lies. And so what we really want to do is give some hope and some encouragement to say, hey, there's a different way to think about life. There's a different way to experience life. But sometimes the suicidal person gets so isolated and so um, self-focused and, and isn't listening, or there's a, a, so much shame in our society related to voicing those kind of thoughts that, that, they, that they are not willing to tell anybody or they're not willing to ask for help because of the shame associated with it, when really they, they do need to hear the promises that Jesus makes to them. They do need to hear about and remember, because that one time they knew, and remember the life that Jesus has in store for them. And that's really what we would hope would happen as a result of this conversation today. Yeah, I think it's worth repeating that suicidal thoughts and ideation comes from Satan. It comes from the enemy. I mean, again, John 10, 10, Satan's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. So at root, at root, those are lies. I think we just need to say it again. Those are lies from the enemy. It reminds me of Jesus in the wilderness before his ministry, the temptation, you know, the, the temptations, and those were coming from Satan. And he was tempting Jesus to believe lies. And, and so if you're listening and you are considering that, or you're, those are ideas in your mind, I think you need to recognize that those, are, those ideas, those thoughts are not from Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that to shame you or to guilt you. Or, I'm just saying like you need to recognize and name it that that comes from the enemy, that that, that comes from Satan himself. It's, that, those are not thoughts or ideas that come from God. They don't come from Jesus. And so how did Jesus respond to that in the wilderness? Jesus Jesus quoted scripture. Jesus went to scripture and he, he, he you know that to me that's such an encouragement that Jesus himself didn't just trust in his willpower but right. he he went to the word of God and he he elevated the word of God above the lie the lies of the enemy. So for those of you who are out there who maybe have had those thoughts they, they're in your head. I, I would encourage you, just on a practical note, to speak 
God's word to those lies. Maybe even out loud, speak God's word to those lies, scripture to those lies. Some of the scripture that we've shared here, maybe some other scriptures that have been an encouragement to you in the past, because I think it's easy to get in that dark place and uh, just allow yourself to ruminate on those, those lies from the enemy. I would, I would add, I think that's really true, Brian, and it's good, good counsel. I would add another factor that that's, uh, sometimes is the case, and that is sometimes uh, suicide is the fruit of um, mental illness, mm-hmm. mental health issues. So someone, for example, has, has clinically, a clinical deep depression. Now somebody, you or I could, could be discouraged and go into depression but but it's but there is a thing that that takes over for some people or if someone is bipolar and they go into the lower end of the depressive cycle of that then then sometimes suicide it becomes more powerful than for maybe for the average person and then it then it's not it it's all it's a chemical issue and so that needs to be addressed there is a mental there's the um mental cognition that you're talking about of understanding the truth and repeating the truth but there's also maybe for some people the larger issue that's medical that's chemical and and there's help out there medicines and therapies that can get you through that time until until your body is adjusted and your your brain is actually you know f- physically healthier and and then you can become then emotionally healthier so we just really are encouraging everyone to get the help that will get them through, you know, that difficult time. And Ross, we have a related, a topic related to this. We'll put it in the links below, but, but some people, some Christians in different Christian cultures might have the question is, is it okay for me to take medication? Is it, if I, if I have depressed clinical depression, or is that, is that like failing to trust in God to take care of my needs. How would you answer that? It, just in brief, again, we'll put a link down to this topic at Pursue God for people who want to dig into it more. I would say, let's look at the big picture. We live in a broken, fallen world. The world is not what God created it to be. Um, so for a lot of reasons, people get physical diseases. You get a cold. So I take, I'll take medicine for relieve the symptoms of that. And so, you know, my brain is part of my body. It's certainly more than that. My, my brain is the, is the place where my soul interacts with, with others and with the body and so forth, my spirit. But, but my brain is also a physical entity. And so it, it, the chemical processes don't work for many people the way that God created them to work. And so, it, so if I can restore a position that's more like that was created to to be by God in the origin of before the fall of and the inner entry of sin, then why would I not want to do that? You know, why would I not seek that rest? Now, we know Jesus, when he comes back, he's going to heal it all for eternity. But in the meantime, we're stuck in this broken world. And and we want to use use the means that really God has provided science scientists and doctors with uh, with tremendous wisdom about how our bodies work, and we want to take advantage of that. Yeah, let me read one more passage that I hope would be encouraging to listeners. Second Peter one, verses three and four. It says, "By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received." All of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises 
These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. But I love that that line that God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. So I, I do think that that part of that is medication. I do think that we we should embrace that there might be some of this that that some of our listeners need to honestly talk to a professional about mm-hmm. this. But but also I think this, you know, we we like to talk about this in terms of three things that God has given us his spirit, his word, and his people. And so the question for you as you're listening is are you tapping into those three things? It's you know, it's easy when you're having suicidal thoughts, if you're depressed, if you're anxious, it's easy to withdraw from people. Are you connecting to people? Are you confessing this to people? Ross, you mentioned shame and guilt, and 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 even maybe some young listeners might even be thinking, I don't want my parents to know I'm having these thoughts because they'll judge me or they'll overreact or they'll freak out. I would say to young people, talk to your parents about this mm-hmm. if you've never done that before. Be honest with them. You know, middle-aged men, some of you men are too proud to talk to your spouse about this or to a to a pastor or a friend at church or a men's group. Ross, I, I'll, I'll confess that, you know, my whole life, I've never struggled with anxiety or depression until maybe five years ago. I think it was like midlife crisis stuff. Suddenly I started having panic attacks. It was, it was unbearable and I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And I, I just remember for the first time in my life, Ross, I don't know if you've ever had this, these thoughts for the first time in my life. I thought if this is how my life is going to be, I don't think I could live. I, I don't think I can, cont- I don't think I could live in this state. And I, that was probably for about a six month period. And I, I talked to my wife daily about it. I talked to my kids about it. I'd said, I need your help. I need your prayers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was humbling for me to do. And I think some men out there are listening to this and they're bottling it up. They're not being honest about those things. And that means you're not tapping into something that God has given you for living a godly life. He's given you people. Galatians 6.2 says, we should bear each other's burdens. Some of you men listening need to need to humble yourselves and ask for help. That's so key, a relationship life with others. And that, you know, that will actually help us. It can actually help us experience the best in those other areas in the in terms of the spirit and the word of God. The 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 people around us can really help activate those other things in our lives. So it's really key. So I want to encourage you, you know, just by way of close. Again, if you're listening to this for yourself, I would just encourage you to to access everything that God has given you for living this satisfying life. Get into the Word. Lean into the Word. Start reading it on a regular basis so that it can combat the lies of the enemy in this area of your life. You know, maybe it's time to step up your prayer life. Go to Him and say, I'm going to, every day I'm going to come to you and I'm going to, and I'm going to ask you for strength, God, to get me through this difficult time. Talk to people in your world so, so that they can bear this burden with you so that they can help you. And if you need to, see a professional. Mm-hmm. You know that, what was yeah. that, 988? 988 is the, is the suicide hotline. Reach out to the suicide hotline if this is a real issue for you. So for those of you who are struggling with this, I encourage you in those ways. 
And for those of you who are listening to this for theological understanding, for those of you who are listening to this for the sake of someone else in your life, share this podcast. Be willing to sit down and talk about this with someone. We have questions related to this at PursueGod.org. I encourage you to share that topic with somebody and trust in Jesus to overcome this, really this, this epidemic in our culture where more and more people are turning to suicide. You don't have to do it because Jesus wants to give you life to the full. Hey listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite podcast app. That really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.